you know, God is a good God. Uh, everything works together for good to those that love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. And uh, sometimes you don't figure it out. Um, I find so many people, they, they, they get hooked up with the wrong ideas. And when everything works together for good, it means literally everything. And um, that's the pain of trying to understand. Because everything in God is a mystery. Uh, we know where we're going. We know where we came from. And in between, God is going to get us through. And it's just amazing how he does it. And so I, I, I wanted to spend this evening just um, talking about one of the problems people have. Uh, I had a pastor come visit me uh, during the week. And his main problem was, um, first thing he said to me was, well, uh, he was an evangelist. And I was fine. And then he wanted to know how I got my contacts around the world. And so I said, well, uh, it happens in odd ways. Uh, I don't know. And what he was really after was a methodology of building up a ministry. And there is none. Uh, there's no method in anything. Now, religion has method. And people are either religious or Christian. And there's one big difference between a Christian and a religious person that I want to talk about. You know, uh, the big difference between a religious person and a Christian is a Christian is born again and has the life of God within and he has faith that works by, by what? Love. And life has to work by love. If it doesn't work by love, it's not life. Because God is love. And religion is very austere. Religion's awful. Because with religion, you're either right or you're wrong in a person's eyes. But when you come to Christ, you realize that there is no right and wrong. It just isn't. Because Christ is our righteousness, He is our holiness, He's our redemption, He's our life. And the whole basis of Christianity is totally different from religion. Religion's got nice rules. And um, so I felt I wanted to talk about it. Religion majors on behavior and manner of life. But faith majors on love. And, you know, it's impossible to actually be legalistic and love. Uh, 
It's impossible to forgive when you're religious. Because forgiveness, it springs out of a heart of love. And marriages break down very often when couples demand and make demands of each other. Uh, and you see it so often. People make demands of each other. Um, once you do that, love goes out the window. Uh, love doesn't make demands. Love doesn't demand anything. Love is a giving thing, not a taking thing. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And you find, um, and you know, my experience dealing with people who get in a mess is always that they have their rights and their demands. And once you do that, forget it. You're sunk. Love has gone out the window. And religion is kind of the, the, the thing that you demand of people that they conform to your customs. It's got a form of rules. There's a hidden religious code of ethics. And um, I suppose it says this is the way we are, this is the way we dress, this is the way we eat, this is the way we talk, this is the way we define, this is the way we behave. Legalism. I meet people like that all the time. Uh, you know, you can't. I remember years ago, um, I was telling this, this evangelist who came to see me, he, he was um, kind of with a denomination. And this woman came to one of our early conferences in the church. I should never forget it. I think I've probably said it before. She came to one of our conferences, and, you know, she was kind of the light of the world, smiling with a straw boater with cherries on the front. Never forget them. Um, and, and she thought she was it, so you probably guessed the denomination she was. Anyway, after the service, we had a breaking of bread. She came up to me and she said to me, you made me sin. And I looked at her and I said, I'm sorry. She said, you made me sin. I said, how on earth did I do that? She said, well, she said, when you gave communion, that was real wine, wasn't it? I said, yes. She said, well, she said, since the day of my birth, no alcohol has ever passed these lips. You made me sin. I said, well, I said, all I can say is you won't be able to say that anymore, will you? Uh, I, I, I just don't understand people. She would take Ribena, blackcurrant juice, and a bit of bread, and somehow think, you know, she was more righteous than someone who had, you know, something from the vine. How I've met Christian people who say, ah, oh, well, you know, when Jesus turned the water into wine, it was unfermented. Well, there's two things I want you to note about the scriptures. One is, when he turned the water into wine, it was after they'd all had a good drink. 
And the governor of the feast said, hey, you bought the best wine out at the end. And it was fermented. You do understand that, don't you? Now, I'm not for drunk, drunkenness. I'm totally against it. But a little wine for your stomach's sake is medicine. And, you know, it can protect the heart. But then... It has good purposes. And I find some people, religious people, strain at gnats and swallow camels. Uh, they're so, so bigoted. Christianity is not a set of rules or a way of behavior. It's relationship. I have a relationship with God. And actually, God's not really that bothered about what's right and wrong. It really isn't. Now, it doesn't mean you've got license to live any way you want. Don't, don't misquote me. But what I'm saying is, uh, you know, washing your hands um, before you eat, sitting down to say grace and letting the food go cold, um, getting into an awful um, upset because someone... Uh, buys an ice cream on a Sunday is religion. Not allowing children to play with toys on a Sunday. I mean, that's terrible, isn't it? We were doing a program the other night and I had someone from the Brethren and he wasn't allowed to play with toys on a Sunday. In, in fact, it was so religious that he hated Sundays because he wasn't allowed to read a book, he wasn't allowed to play with toys, he wasn't allowed to do anything except be miserable on a Sunday. That's religion. Um, that's what the seven-day Adventists do. They just bring law, law, law. And it's terrible when Christians apply law and they look at each other and there's a code that if, if someone doesn't conform to what you think they should do, then they're written off. But really, God's not that concerned. And um, turn with me to Mark chapter 7. And in Mark chapter 7, verse 18, it says this. Okay, have you all there? Good authorized version. And he saith unto them, Are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever things from without entereth into a man, it cannot defile him? Now, listen to the words of Jesus. Whatever comes in can't defile you. I, I, I find people, they get very upset. Nothing can defile you coming from the outside in. That's what Jesus said. <laughs> because it enters not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the draught, purging all meats. And he said, that which cometh out of the man... That defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceeds what? Evil thoughts. What else? Adulteries. What else? Fornications. What else? What else? What else? And wickedness. Lasciviousness. An evil eye. Mm. 
blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within. In other words, it's not what goes into you, it's what comes out of you. And really, in life, we learn a lot about people when we see their reaction. Anyone can be sweet while they're getting their own way. However, their reaction when they can't get their own way or when something doesn't suit them will discover what's really in them. When you put someone under pressure, you find out what's really in them. When circumstances don't go their way, then you find out what really ticks. When trials come, you discover what's in a person. Now, they can be very sweet, very smooth, and very clear for a long time. But you put them in a certain situation, then you find out what's really inside them. Now, religion doesn't deal with the inside. Religion has you a whiting the sepulchre. And you can look pretty good for a long time. Jesus said it's inside that counts. Full of dead men's bones. That's where the Pharisees, the religious people. And, and it's amazing, you know, the more I go on in life, the more I realize that you just have to wait because time proves everything. Just wait long enough and you find everyone out. It just happens. You don't have to kind of do anything, just wait. And you find out what really ticks in people. See, when things don't go the way you like them to go, how do you react? Now, it's not the circumstances outward that are the problem, it's things inward. I shall never forget when I, I got converted filled with the Holy Ghost 40 odd years ago and I had a car it was a maroon mini one of those early minis excellent little vehicle for hurtling around narrow lanes and um, had leopard skin seat covers <laughs> I bought it before I was converted and, you know, maintained it after I was converted because it went so quick. And I believe there's only two types of drivers, the quick and the dead. Anyway, I got converted. God met me. And I shall never forget one day I was driving and I was on the, going to turn right at some traffic lights. I was going up a hill and I stopped and I was waiting to turn right and signaling. And all of a sudden, a lorry coming down the hill came too far over and it caught the side of my car and I began to go backwards down the hill. Now, my car was very well maintained and I did not appreciate going backwards. And what happened was absolutely staggering because 
I bleeped my horn and the guy stopped and he realized he dragged my car backwards and, and I had to pull over to get it away from the lorry and he jumped down and I got out the car and I said, ah, oh, I said, don't worry about it, it's only a car and got back in and began to drive off and thought, my God. Now, in my older days, I would have bonked in one. <laughs> I could not believe that I didn't have reaction. I changed inside. You know, it's what's inside that counts, not what's outside. It's, it's what God's done inside you. Now, religion hides everything, suppresses it, but it doesn't deal with it. And so you find the religious man, he has values. Now, I like my car. I didn't like a scratch down the side, but who cares? Just a car. I should never forget, um, more recently, I'd gone up to London to collect a car. It was brand new. And I remember driving out of, um, driving out of the garage. It was up in, uh, near Leicester Square. can't remember exactly where it was. And I collected this Aspas. And I was driving home. Brand new car. And I'd had it about 20 minutes, and I, I pulled up at some traffic lights. And as was my want, I looked in the mirror as I was parked at the traffic lights, and I saw what no man likes to see. A woman driver <laughs> coming down the road, and amazingly enough, instead of looking in front of her, she was looking behind her at the children on the back seat, oblivious of the fact that the traffic lights had turned red. She was talking to them in the back. And by the time she turned round, I knew disaster waited. And she slammed her foot on the brake, and the car did not stop. It came in the back of mine. And so I got out, and she was hysterical. And she said, what will my husband say, she said. We've only had this car three months, she said, and... You know, it's second hand and we can't afford this. And, and I said, Madam, I said, I've only had this car 20 minutes. <laughs> and it's new. And she went into further hysteric. <laughs> I said, Oh, don't worry about it. I said, Please, in future, look in front when you're driving, not at your kids in the back seat. She said, I'm sorry, they were making a noise and I was telling them off. I said, yes, but not when you're driving down a road. And I got back in the car and said, well, it's going to get a dent sooner or later. So she made it sooner. It happens, doesn't it? Well, does it? But it's how you react. Does it matter? Not really. It's just a piece of, well, it wasn't metal. It was... Um, whatever it is, fiberglass stuff. But it's, it's, it's what's in you that really, in the end, what comes out of you? See, life, Christianity is about having the life of Christ within.
so that when things do really happen, you can, you can stand. And having done all, stand. And, and you don't lose your peace. You don't lose your joy. You don't lose the, the reality of God. You, you just know him. And if that hasn't happened, what you've got is religion. What you haven't got is Christ. Because it's not natural to do those things. Because a natural man don't react that way. It's just different. And I find so many people are living in religion and haven't come into life. You're all looking at me. But, you know, I'm not a saint. I'm just a Christian. Christ lives in me. Very often the outward action to an untrained eye seems so wrong and yet they're so right and vice versa the outward actions seem so right and yet they're so wrong i find religious people they seem so right and yet they're very wrong uh, uh, and the people who seem so wrong are very right uh, and if you think about jesus everywhere he went he upset people he just had a way of not conforming to the way that people expected him to conform and Christianity is for the nonconformist. You just don't do it the way everyone else does. You don't think the way they think. You don't act the way they act. You don't do the things they do. Because there's something inside of you that ticks differently. It's called life. I find there's too many people with the wrong attitude in them. Dear old Benson Ederhoser used to say, you're attitude determines your altitude and it's true some people have a gift of misery and they as they get older they they lose the ability to restrain themselves and they they begin to show what they are much quicker it's just a fact of life now if you have the spirit of christ inside it's okay you can relax because you know, even in the most absurd situation, God will see you through. I began to see that what was needed was the uh, realization that when Christ really died for us, he not only redeemed us, but he took the law out. He fulfilled all the law. And, and you know, one of the things that became very apparent to me when I looked out on people was, hey, they, they, they feel guilty. They, and... You know what you do, you project what you think and what your standards are onto other people. And you think they should perform the way you expect them to perform, but people don't. People are different. And the older I get, the more I see that people are people. And they're an amazing collection of oddities. And everyone's odd. And Yet, if Christ is in them, it could seem most wrong and be right. And if he isn't, it could seem most right and be awfully wrong. And when the pressure comes, it's like knocking the top off a volcano. You discover what's really inside. It's not what goes in, it's what comes out, says Jesus. Okay? I find with some people that they... The law has been reimposed. Uh, it's not blatant legalism. It, it's kind of a code of thought.
a code of action. Uh, and there are people... Uh, and the, the way you know when someone's got a code is they always get offended. People, they're, they're people, they're a gift. People take offense. Um, they, they always get mad about something. Look, Jesus kept saying to people when he upset them with what he said, he said, blessed is he that's not offended. But you find lots of people, just they just take offense. Any single thing will get them, set them off. They're always getting offended about something. And Christianity takes the offense out. Legalism and religion keeps the offense in. I'll come on to the scripture in a second. Um, I found when I, I, I met with so-called Christians that I could never keep their codes. I just was too nonconformist. I just, I just didn't meet their expectations. God had met me. Unfortunately, he hadn't met them. And so what they had was religion. And charismatics are the worst, and rheumatics. And they're demanding all the time, you do this, you do that. And they're the most unforgiving souls out. Now, the only reason someone doesn't forgive someone else is because they're not forgiven. Because when you know the grace of God, and God's really met you, and you're truly redeemed inside, then you have a much greater understanding of people, and it, it's not such a big deal, because you're not really thinking about yourself, and you're not standing on your dignity, because you don't have any. Now, if you think about Paul, he was a man of scholarship, and he was so scholarly, he went around persecuting the Christians, putting them in jail, and murdering them. Now, when he got converted, he had a zeal for Christ, but it totally was transformed because what was inside him was totally different. He had the life of Christ within. Not a code, not a philosophy, life. And it wasn't what he was born with. He was totally different. And so when you look at people, you've got to realize there's a lot of people who, who really are offended with Christianity because inside themselves they're full of evil so when pressures come what comes out they're not very nice squeeze a lemon and you'll get out bitterness squeeze an orange and you should get out sweetness just depends what's inside doesn't it hello doesn't it now, there are some people, no matter, no matter how gently you squeeze them, you know, a lemon's a lemon. And you see, Jesus Christ came to put the honey in the rock. Sweetness comes out. Even in the most adverse circumstances, your response should not be what you were first born with, but by your second birth, you should have had a change of nature. And so there's sweetness. And when you start telling religious people that, they get upset. The Bible says we have this treasure in an earthen vessel, that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. 
Now, the excellency of the power in living is of God, and it's reality. But I'm still me. You know, one thing, when I left the police, I was still me. I didn't somehow stop being me. But what did happen was inside of me, there was a transformation. And that which was within me that came out, came out through an earthen vessel. And it still does. And, and I'm me. I'm, I'm still six foot one. I'm still muscular. It just dropped from my chest to my waist. Um, and became not quite as hard as it used to be. And um, my wife tells me I'm still handsome, which I must admit. Um, and not much hair left. But I'm still me. Now we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. We're not kind of... Uh, spooky and it's not in our spirit it's in our flesh because people don't see you know there's people go around they say oh I see his spirit you don't unless you're clairvoyant actually you see the outside but but you know it, it's shown in the face what a person really is you can see it and in their eyes you, you can see it either light or death um, and, and it, it's very apparent if you can see. It's in our flesh. There's nothing spooky about it. And we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. That the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. In other words, it's not my efforts to do it. it it's my nature. And if what's in me reacts wrongly, it's because it's a wrong nature. Not some... It's just like this, you know, a lemon is a lemon. It isn't anything else. And it doesn't matter how you do it, how you squeeze it, whether you squeeze it from the center or you squeeze it at either end, I want to tell you the juice that comes out is going to be bitter. That's life. And I find so many people don't understand, hey, I can examine myself whether I be in the faith. What differentiates religion from Christianity is reaction. What comes out? And if the wrong thing comes out, you know something's wrong. And you know it. Why has it gone wrong? Because basically, it never was in there. If you plant an apple tree... You won't get pears. If you plant a peach tree, you won't get pawpaw. If you plant a gooseberry bush, you're not going to grow passion fruit. It just doesn't happen. And if you have the seed of Christ within, you'll always have the life of Christ coming out. Now, that's very simple, isn't it? Hello? Behavior, lifestyle, everything won't conform because God doesn't want conformists that's religion Jesus it says um, when he came to his own his own received him not the reason they couldn't receive him was because he didn't conform to their expectations 
uh, what a Messiah should be. Uh, and it's amazing how people don't accept people because they don't conform to their standard of what you expect. Uh, and that's one of the most amazing things. Uh, when, you, when you meet people, you have an expectation. I, uh, I've met people that are strange. I, I always remember someone coming for a weekend to our, our, our house. I, I went to the front door to open it. And when I opened the front door, I looked, and what I saw was a chest. Now, the chap was seven foot six, and I was not expecting to open the door and look at a chest. I was expecting to open the door and at least see a face. And I had to walk out and look up, and there was this guy who had to bend down to get in our house. And... I thought, my God, how are we going to get a bed for this guy? He's going to, he was so tall. And uh, I had to pray for him in the meeting. And I had to get and stand on a chair to get up there. Uh, I, I shall never forget it. It was a weird feeling. Uh, now, I did not expect it. When you open a door, you usually expect at least to be able to see the face, not to have to look up and round. But there you are. And I thought I was tall. Now, the majority of people in this life don't care for the individual. You know, there's, there's a lot of lack of caring. What they care for is the maintenance of their religion by their ethical code or culture, where they try to make people conform to their style. And that's terrible. You know, when someone wants you to conform... Because there is no conformity in Christianity. And the thing that gets up people's crawls is when you don't conform. You don't live according to the way they think you should live. You live the way you are, but Christ is in you. And it's so irritating to a religious person to find someone who won't conform. Now, Jesus just didn't conform with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He just couldn't conform. When he sat down, he, he ate the food with unwashing hands. No, there was nothing he ever did that conformed to anything. He didn't kind of fit with their expectations. And when Paul came, he didn't fit. And Peter was a fisherman who was totally impetuous. He didn't fit. But when pressure came, the life that was in them was manifest. And the religious people could never get into life. They could be all round life, but they could never get in. And you can't get into life if God doesn't bring you in. While I was talking to this, this minister, he, he, the, the evangelist who visited me, uh, uh, and you know, I started chatting, and he said, oh, he said, I had a meeting on Sunday, and there were 50 decisions. I said, oh, really? He thought I'd be impressed. I said, well, what I want to ask you is, it's all very well someone making a decision for Christ, but did Christ make a decision for them? And he looked at me and he said, um, 
No, 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 no. They opened their heart. I said, very nice. I said, but in the Bible it says, in that day many shall say, Lord, Lord, we did this in your name. We did that in your name. We cast out devils in your name. We healed the sick in your name. We did many wonderful works in your name. I said, and Jesus will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. It doesn't matter how much you think you know God. It's whether God knows you. They said, oh, no one ever told me that before. So I said, well, they've told you now. And it doesn't matter what decision you make. It doesn't matter how many times you make a decision for Christ. The only thing that counts is whether the lemon has turned into a sweet orange inside. Change of nature. Or is it that you've adopted the religious code by making a decision and then you try and live up to it. But the trouble is, when the pressure comes, what's really inside manifests itself. And been a nature change. So you've adopted a philosophy, you've adopted a lifestyle, but you've never had God adopt you. The adoption of sons. You're adopted into the family of God. And that's where the whole problem is. So when you talk to people... You know, you've got to challenge them. Confrontation's a good deal. Because in the end, you see, people, it's amazing. I, I meet people who can be offended for months, years. They're not Christians. Do you know, my Bible says if someone offends you, you're not to let the sun go down on your wrath. Some of you need to hold the sun up for a mighty long time. Joshua held the sun. No, but I, I find people that they, they, you know, they can't let it go. Well, get a new nature. You haven't got the right thing at all. You're religious. Mm, you know, how could he do this to me? How would he say that? And they go on and on, dripping like a squeaking wheel year after year, bitter as hell, full of lemon. That's not Christianity. You've got to get in there. Inside is what's inside. You've got to change the lemon for an orange. Nature's totally different, isn't it? Hmm? It's not what goes into you that corrupts you. What comes out? Evil thinking. Find a lot of people, they just think evil continuously. That's why Paul made it plain. He said, hey, you know... Uh, there's a lot of judgmental people. Religious people are always judgmental. Very judgmental. It's their gift. They're so arrogant, they always think they're right and everyone else is wrong. You try and correct them, they won't be corrected. Why? Because they're full of lemon. You'll find, uh, I, I was amazed, this guy, he was boasting about Smith Wigglesworth, great evangelist. And I said, look, your denomination banned him from ever speaking in the pulpits while he was alive. And now he's been dead 30 years. They make a saint of him. Smith Wigglesworth. You know, there wasn't a, a, a Elim or AOG church in the country that would let him have the pulpit. But now there isn't a pulpit in the country that doesn't sell his books on the bookstore. But while he was alive, they didn't, because he never conformed. Same thing happened with Marie Schall, who was William Boo's daughter. Um, 
She went to Paris, did a tremendous work for God, and in the end the Salvation Army threw her out. Why? She didn't conform. She was a non-conformist. Tremendous ministry. Great woman of God. Boy, they hated her. She just would not conform. And actually, non-conformists are good people. All right? Then there was Whitfield. Now, he was a tremendous revivalist. John Wesley called him that fiend from hell. Because Whitfield went over to New England and tremendous revivals came in New England. He had to leave the country. Persecuted. The seed of the bond always persecutes the seed of the free. The lemon hates honey. Can't stand it. You know, the, the person who's religious, he just can't stand someone who's just happy. Because you shouldn't be that way. If you look with me, uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20. There were a couple of people with an ego problem. They wanted, when, when Jesus went to heaven, they wanted to sit one on the right hand, one on the left. And verse 24, when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. See? Now, if you want to know the dictionary, Cambridge Dictionary definition of indignation or indignant is angry because of something you think is wrong or not fair. You know, when a person hasn't had the real experience of Christ, he always thinks life isn't fair, everything's not fair. Well, it isn't. But when you come to Christ, you realize that everything works together for good, so it's very fair. They were moved with indignation, and Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them. And they that are great exercise authority upon them. What does verse 26 say? But it shall not be so among you. He said, all right, on a question of authority, your authority doesn't come because you exercise dominion. Your authority comes from a different source. It shan't be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be what? Your servant. Uh, even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life. A ransom for many. In other words, the whole of Christianity, if you've got the right nature in you, is one of service, not one of dominion. The world seeks dominion, the world seeks place, the world seeks authority. Christians don't, according to Jesus. And I happen to believe he's right. You'll find in Psalm 119, verse 165, it said, Great peace of they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You know, there's nothing harder to win than someone who's offended. You won't win them. But what you've got to ask is, why are they so twisted that they get offended? Heck, there are people that take offense at anything. Um, 
Let's go to Colossians 3. Uh, Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on, therefore, as elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be you thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. You know, it occurs to me that um, brethren in any church should live happily together. Um, if you don't try and take dominion over people, if you want dominion, buy a dog. Same in a marriage. Same in a home. Love and faith that works by love is the only rule. And living any other way is folly. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2. Now I didn't write this. I just believe it. With all lowliness and meekness. With long suffering. Forbearing one another. How? In love. Endeavoring. To keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. Ephesians 4, verse 23 says this, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be you angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that steal, steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from among from you with all malice and then it says you're to be kind one to another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, isn't that quite simple? The choice between a lemon and honey. Sweetness or bitterness. Life or death. Truth 
or deception. And everyone's one or the other. And all you have to do, put a little pressure on and you find out. And that's what Christianity is all about. That's why you're in a church. You have to love one and then another and then another. And, you know, it's what God calls us to. Tender-hearted. It's the way it is. So you just have to get circumstances that squeeze someone, uh, and then you see their reaction. Boy, if someone makes a mistake, see the reaction of other people, you know. Someone gets it wrong, so what? Big deal. God didn't topple off his throne, did he? You know, I, I find people live with guilt and condemnation and worry uh, because it's inside them. But the nice thing is when you've got the peace of God which passes all understanding and, you know, well, time and chance happeneth to every man. It'll come to pass. All things work together for, for good to those that love God, to those that are the called, called according to his purposes. We have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellency of power might be of God and not of us. My God is a sovereign God. He orders all things after the counsel of his own will. He told me to be tender-hearted and forgiving. He told me I couldn't let the sun go down on my wrath. Actually, he gave me a lot of instructions that are very different from the world. You know, you get grumpy people. They go to bed grumpy, they wake up grumpy. They're just grumpy. You get a lot of people who, who that, 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 they're, they're so bitter about other people that, boy. I've talked to married couples who, who are wanting to get divorced and they can tell you what happened 20 years ago. And they're still carrying it. You know, everything's just built on that one thing. I mean, people who are really full of hate. You're told to love one another, forbearing one another. For goodness sake. Humanity isn't perfect. Now, we have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellency of the power might be of God. But if you want everyone to be like you, you're religious. Thank God for the difference. I'm glad there's no one else on the earth like me. I'm happy. I don't want competition. I'm happy. Uh, and yet I find people that, that you know... Mm -hmm. And you've got to make up your mind, are you in religion or are you in Christ? I know it seems such a simple word. But then, 
truth is very simple. Have you got grudges? Grudges against people? Well, get converted. Live with a chip on your shoulder. How could anyone do that to me? Well, you've got such a big ego. Who are you? Anyway, everything's working together for good. So what's your problem? Oh, so-and-so said so-and-so. Well, yeah. If I spent my life worrying about what people said, you know, lied and said about me, I wouldn't talk to myself. I'd just not have anything to do with myself. I really wouldn't. I mean, you know, people are people. Jesus bore the contradiction of sinners against himself. You know, they were all, all nasty, without any cause. It's all in the mind, the attitude. That determines your altitude. And you better make sure it's honey in the rock, not a lemon. I think there's nothing sweeter than honey. Natural sweetness. And every morning when I get up, I like to drink cider vinegar and honey. So I, I have both. It's good for you. As long as my wife remembers to put enough honey in. It's good for you. There's nothing nicer than natural sweetness when it's God. You know, he made us in his image. Man fell. We're not restored, and I want to make this plain. There, there's a lot of talk that we're restored to Adam's um, state. We're not We've got a better promise, a better hope, and a better life than the first Adam. We have the life of the second Adam, the living God. First Adam was innocent. The second Adam had the power of an endless life. And that's very important to understand. It's wonderful to know we're in him. He's in us. And so, what's in you when the pressures come? How do you react? Question. What really works in you? Had a nature change? Is there tenderness? Do you really care for everyone? Would you lay down your life for someone? Or do you demand they lay down their life for you? Difference between religion and Christianity. And so I thought, I would talk about it tonight, and I have. And so, as you go home, decide, am I a lemon, or am I sweet?